get it. Got to get it now. But uh, we're, we are talking about today, we're going to break this series down into five weeks. All right? Each one of these weeks is going to be called something different. Today is called The Pieces. We're going to be talking about the basics, kind of the boundaries. Guys, if you know football, we're going to lay out the playing field to know what, we're, what our zone is to play. We're going to talk about some basics, set some ground rules of this entire series. Next week, we're going to be talking about the problems. There are universal core issues that every marriage will face. And we're going to talk about how, biblically, God has given us a way to overcome those things. Week number three, just like these mosaic kits, everything's going to be in relation to the pieces, all right? Then the problems. The glue is week number three. Guess what the glue is? Jesus, thank you. The glue is Jesus in our marriage. What holds us and binds us together? Ways to put more of our Jesus relationship in our marriage relationship. Week number four is going to be called the perspective. We're going to have a Q&A with some married couples. We're going to share some of the stuff from the survey that you guys have submitted. Week number five is going to be called the possibilities. October 30th, we're going to give away that quilt, but you've got to be here. We're going to be hopefully having that video collage done of the pictures that you've submitted to us and bring the tissues. So I'm going to say, October 30th, bring the tissues. We're going to take steps forward to a better marriage than you could have ever imagined. And every week is going to end with a challenge. Every week is going to end with a challenge for you to try to use, to try to incorporate in your marriage that week. All right, make sense? All right, let's talk about what the series won't be for a second. <laughs> These are the ground rules. This series will not be five easy steps to fix the problems with your spouse. It's not going to be that series. If you're looking for that, that might be at a different church, but I'm sorry. This series won't be how to find an excuse for divorce in the Bible. This isn't going to be that series. This series is not going to be how to turn your spouse back into the person you thought you married. <laughs> it's not going to be that series, okay? This series is not going to be how to more effectively tell your spouse how they're wrong. This is not going to be that series. This series is not the quick solution to a long-developing problem. This series is not Pastor Josh's supremely wise marriage advice. It is, it is not, okay? It's coming from a bunch of different places. Some things I've learned, but not all. Some things I've read, but not all. Some things I've encountered, but not all. Some wisdom that's been passed on to me by my parents' model, but not all. So it kind of just smorgasbord, all thrown together. So it's not Pastor Josh's supremely wise marriage advice. This series is not going to be how to live together without being married and think it's okay. Okay. Might sting a little bit, but hey, this series is not going to be only for those married people, all right? Like I talked about again, hopefully you're paying attention. This is going to be a relationship you might be in. Maybe it's one you're out of. Maybe you have a, a God-calling heart if you're not in a relationship right now that like, yeah, I want to be married one day. I want to find that right person and all that kind of stuff. Hopefully you can profit from some of the knowledge before you get to that point. So we're going to set a few ground rules for this series, a few understandings that we just have to have before we get further in these next few weeks. A few ground rules. Here we go. Number one, understand that no marriage is perfect. Understand that no marriage is perfect. I almost thought about rephrasing this a different way. Stop being jealous of other people's marriages they display because you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And social media can really drive this ridiculousness to another level. Oh, yay, we're happy. Oh, yay, we're happy. Oh, what? Why can't it be like them? They're always happy. And they're not seeing the undersides. 
of the problems that, again, every marriage faces. Stop being jealous. Stop comparing your marriage to anybody else's marriage because they're not you and you're not them. It's that simple. Understand that no marriage is perfect. Another understanding we're going to have to have. Understand that we are teaching that marriage is between a man and a woman. Just want to cover that? Some ground rules? Some basics? I know we're living in a culture that says, no. There was a John Hancock commercial on for insurance yesterday during the football games. Like, all right, come on. I mean, we get it. Everyone's going down that bandwagon. That's not us. Because in my study of this, in my learning of this, it's not that way. Check out 1 Corinthians 6, 9 if you want to talk about it. How I read this says that that way it is, a man and a woman. And if you want to talk and have a conversation about that, that's fine. But the way we are teaching this, one man, one woman, that's marriage. Any questions? I'm not going to beat that dead horse. All right, number three, understand that this series is not a self-help focus, but a God-help focus. These are going to be steps for you to fix your marriage. These are going to be steps for you to allow God to fix your marriage. Because if you could fix your marriage, you'd have done it already, right? These are going to be steps for God to help you fix your marriage. All right, number four, understand that we aren't going to bash the husband or the wife. We're going to try to put the wives down and put them in this Proverbs 31 box, all right? Guys, we're not going to jump over to Titus and 1 Timothy and really make you feel awful about living. We're not going to do that. What we are going to do is, is look at some, some basics that if guys operate usually in this capacity and if girls usually operate in this capacity, that makes for a very successful relationship and marriage. Imagine if you had a battery with two positive ends or two negative ends. Ineffective battery, a positive side and a negative side. And don't think about which one your spouse is. <laughs> Sorry, maybe it was about a that analogy, okay, magnets, magnets, hey, there's a positive and negative for that, anyway, okay, so this is going to be bashing the husband or bashing the wife, this is going to be trying to understand some core principles that if we do things, if we do marriage God's way, and we operate within these, again, fields of play, I'm a guy, I kind of get that analogy, going outside the field of play, not good, right, we saw that Georgia painful, painful loss yesterday, I said bring the tissues. Um, yeah, and one of the reasons they got that is because the guy took his helmet off, right? And taunted almost at the end after that final play. And then Tennessee's like, <laughs> no, it moved him just enough so that they could throw the Hail Mary into the end zone. Guys, we need to know, and girls, we need to know what's outside the rules of play. What are you going to get flagged on? What are you going to get a penalty? Negative back five yards, all right? So this is our field of, of play. Understanding these basic concepts of guys and girls, men and women, and marriage is going to really help. The fifth thing, understand. Understand that if you want change in your marriage, if you want change in your marriage, uh, you have to be willing to change. Because we have to change is different than I have to change, isn't it? Oh, we need to fix our marriage. Oh, marriage is it's not what it could be. We need to change. And it's easy to say we need to change. We need to change. Maybe you go to your spouse and say, you know, we've had some arguments lately. We need to change. But we need to change, and I need to change, are two completely different things. And if you want change in your marriage, you have to look in the mirror, understand that there's all these broken pieces, and you have to be saying to yourself, I need to change. Let's put it this way. In the book Boundaries in Marriage, Dr. Henry Cloud and John Townsend say, no matter what the issue is in your marriage, 
You need to take the initiative to solve it. doesn't matter what the issue is. You need to be proactive in finding that solution. So we're going to look at a few verses that if you follow these couple of verses, we're just going to beat right to the end of the punch, forget the whole rest of the few weeks. And if you follow these verses, we don't have to talk about anything for the next few weeks. Sound good? All right, first one, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. See this. Okay. It is good for a man not to marry. Not exactly where you thought I was going to go, right? Yeah, it's a joke. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. He who marries will have trouble in this life. 1 Corinthians 7.28c. We're getting amens already. All right. Whew. He who marries is going to have trouble in this life. Maybe it's not where you thought I was going to start. Guess what? The Bible's real, y'all. All right? The Bible's real, and it's coming from a real place. And Paul's saying here, you know, look, you think you're going to have it, e- you think you're going to have it easy? And you're wrong. And guys, you know, if you really don't want any trouble in your life, just stay single. I mean, really. Is a woman trouble? No, you are. But you don't know how much trouble you are when you're by yourself. She exposes all of that, right? So Paul's, lear- Paul's learned this. The funny thing is Paul's learned this and Paul never got married. So he's writing all this stuff from a perspective of single. And he's like, guys, really, if you want any trouble, just cut it out. But if you found that girl and she makes your heart go thump, thump, just be prepared. You're going to have trouble in this life. Because we enter into marriage with a lot of, oh, it's going to be roses, right? I want to share some myths, from um, some of them from Pastor Dave Willis, some of them. And some myths that we kind of just walk into when we think we're going to get married. So if you've been married a long time, I want you to try to fast forward, or rewind rather, all the way back, all the way back to when that little moment was when you're getting ready to say, I do. Right, so just rewind your brain all the way back to that time when you're getting ready to say, I do. And we're going to enter into marriage. If you're not married yet, listen, because you probably think it's this way. Uh, first myth, if I marry the right person, we will always be in love. It's a myth, right? How many married people say that's true? What, no hands? <gasps> Joe, we need to talk. <laughs> okay. Another myth, my single friends are the best place to get marriage advice. <laughs> right? But, but guess what? We have that one single friend, you know, especially guys. You know, he just never got married. He's still, you know, playing tons of video games and has a part-time job. And you're like, I had, things are going rough in my marriage. I called this guy because we were bros way back in the day. And he's like, hey, man, this is ridiculous. You just, you, oh, don't, please don't listen to that guy. Please do not listen to that guy. Women, same deal. Oh, he should be treating you better. Blah, 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 blah. Don't listen to that single person who has no idea about being married in this world. All right, number three, another myth. I shouldn't have to tell my spouse what's wrong. They should just know. I mean, that's why I got married, right? So that we could just be connected in the brain. And I wouldn't even have to talk anymore. I just walk in and sign language everything, because they automatically know what's going on in my heart, they can read it on my sleeve, my emotions, and I'm just going to walk through that door, and I've had a really hard day at work, and he's just going to come up and give me a hug, and caress my back, and take care of everything, and the laundry, and the dishes, (sighs) it's a myth, that is a myth. Number four, 
If I'm not sexually fulfilled in my marriage, I should be able to do anything short of an affair to get my needs met. That is a myth. Now, however, am I talking about pornography? Yes. Am I talking about more? Yes. Let me talk about it this way. Guys, we have a really big issue in our culture this day, right? Where women can be found in all different types of ways with a click of a button that 20 years ago we would have been very ashamed to go to the places where online it's free to go to, right? Women. Have you ever walked through the bookstore or the library and there's this tall rotating tower of books? They're always like this thick and they're always paperback, right? And they have a lady in a long flowy dress blowing in the wind leaning up against the most ridiculously painted, muscular, long-haired, flowing coat man you have ever seen in your life. This is why women love Pride and Prejudice. There's that moment when Mr. Darcy goes across the field and just forget it. Just forget it. Okay, I'm not just talking about men here in pornography. I don't want to draw the line there. Women, you have an emotional capacity to have the same negative effect in your relationship because you're emotionally driven. Guys, we're physically driven. We want to go get physical needs met. If women want our emotional... Want our... Whew, back up. Women want your emotional needs met, right? And so you're going to look for that somewhere else. And those romantic stories and these novels and these movies that... Oh, guess what? You put enough of that in your system, just like pornography or any other thing to damage your marriage, and you no longer seek to get your needs met by your spouse. You've got a book for that. You've got a website for that. Don't buy into the myth that if you are not fulfilled in your marriage, you can search anywhere else as long as you don't cheat and do that thing. Not okay. It's a myth. Moving on. Every couple is different, so there's no quote-unquote right way to be married. It's a myth. Did we talk about earlier that you are different from the other couples? Yes. Does that mean that there's not a right way to be married? No. There is. There is a biblical, God's way of being married that is the right way. We're going to talk about it over the next few weeks. Another myth. Our kids need us, if you have kids. Our kids need us so they should come before my spouse's relationship. Off to the marching band games we go. Karate, a dance, piano lessons. And all this stuff just piles on and schedules and my kids need me and they, don't, I, they can't drive. I wish they could drive, but then at the same time I don't wish they could drive because then I'd be really worried that they're driving and I couldn't drive them and I really want to drive them anyway. So they need me so bad I'm just going to reach out my emotions. I'm going to tie up my time and I'm actually going to end up in a relationship where we're going to be empty nesters and meeting each other for the first time again when we're 55. Don't end up in that place. Are your kids important? Absolutely. But remember the relationship that brought them there in the first place. It's you and your spouse. And if you don't work on you and your spouse, you're probably going to have a bad relationship with you and your kids. And vice versa. We'll be talking about a statistic that proves that in a second. Last myth. If my marriage isn't working out, I would just be better off with someone else. We want to pull out the D word, don't we? That's a flag. And back 10 yards, or 15, or timeout. 
Throwing out that D word's not okay. Have you done it? Yeah. Have I done it? Yeah. Not okay. Not no more. Today is a new day. All right? It's a myth. If my marriage isn't working out, we, we put ourselves in this place of, well, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have. Because, again, this person has changed, or maybe I've changed. It's not the way it was. So I'd just be better off with someone else. I saw, uh, you guys watched Larry the Cable Guy at all? He's a comedian. He's kind of funny. He's from Sanford. And so he was doing a, a few shows, and, and he was asking some questions and talking to the audience. And he's like, how? And he's got this weird accent. I don't even know if I'm going to try to copy it. But, you know, how many people you been with? You know, and, and this, you know, how many girlfriends, how many boyfriends? 25, 30, wow, really, 40. And this one lady shouted up, 50. Really? You've been with 50 boyfriends. Yeah. And they were all jerks. And then Larry the Cable, without missing a beat, he said, well, at 50, at what point do you start to think, well, maybe it's you after 50, all right? If you start to think you would just be better off with someone else, you need to check in the gut because that's a myth. I want to share some statistics with you guys about marriage, again, to set these ground rules, these pieces that we are going to use to be reassembling or rebuilding our marriage. Do you know the average age of those who are married for the first time is 28 for men and 25 for women? It's pretty high, actually, right? Compared to what it was back in 1960 when the average age for a guy to get married was 23. Average age for a girl was just 20 to get married back in 1960. Uh, the marriage rate continues to decline in the United States. Fewer and fewer people are actually taking the step to get married. In fact, there's been a decline of over 50%. 50% less marriages now than there were in 1970. The rate of satisfaction in marriage is higher for husbands and wives when both regularly maintain religious attendance and feel that God is the center of their marriage. That'd be a no-brainer for some of us, right? But no. Your relationship is proven statistically to be better and more, it's just happier when both of you guys are focusing on God. Another statistic. Both men and women have higher life expectancies when married than those who are single or divorced. And you might not feel like it right now. Last night could have been World War III for you guys. Or maybe it was last week you're like, maybe I just wanted to kill him. And for the guy who thought, I thought my life was going to end last week. You know, maybe you're like, what are you talking about longer life expectancies? I'm seeing the end of my life flash before my eyes in an argument. All right? No, if you're married, you're statistically you're going to live longer. It might not feel like that in the arguments or the ups and downs, but that's the truth. Another statistic. Current estimates suggest that 40 to 50% of recent marriages will end in separation. And that's not talking about if one of the spouses has passed away. Do you know that statistic is exactly the same for Christian couples as it is secular couples? It's almost 52% are going to end in divorce. That's staggering, isn't it? We've all gone to weddings. Half of those people are not going to be married. And the people that I know is exactly true. Even at my age, the guys I've stood up there at the altar while they said I do's, a few of them aren't even married anymore. A year, two years married. That's it. Quits. According to recent studies, the percentage of children that experience parental divorce by the age of 12 is about one in four. One in four kids by the age of 12 
will have divorced parents. Another statistic. Due to the lack of stability and support in the home, children from divorced parents experience significant decreases in academic success, physical health, and future stability in their own relationships. That's what I was talking about earlier. It might you being separated from your spouse, physically, emotionally, maybe even in a relationship, you call that quits. It's going to end up damaging the kids. You tried so hard to protect because you didn't invest in the relationship with your spouse. A few more. Couples who cohabit, in other words, they live together without being married. Couples who cohabit have a 46% greater risk of divorce than couples who do not live together before marriage. It's already bad enough at almost 52% likely that any marriage is going to end in divorce, right? And then if you live together before you get married, just double that again. So if you live together before you get married, and you get married with already a 50% chance of success, quote-unquote, in the statistics. So people who, if you live together before you get married, and you get married, your marriage has less than a 25% chance that it will not end in divorce, statistically. You've got to beat some odds. Is this making sense for, for some people? Last statistic. Among women, 68% of unions, when marriages formed in 1997 to 2001, began as a cohabitation rather than marriage. In other words, 68, almost 70% of women were living with a guy before they got married. And if you're young and you're female and you're single today, please do not fall into that trap. Don't let him get this without getting this. And this is the key. All right, moving on. Between 1960 to 2010, the number of cohabiting couples increased 17 times. It's insane. People are living together. They're not getting married. They're having kids together. They're not getting married. And guess what? It becomes very easy for us to check out because our culture even knows what this signifies. It's a And if it's a covenant and not a contract, we get locked in. And there is something spiritual that happens when a man and a woman stand up and profess before God that they will love the other person until death do them part. One of the friends of mine who I was talking about earlier, again, anonymous and that's okay, is not married anymore. Thanks, Tony. He's not married anymore. Well, he is now because he remarried, but he was one of those relationships where a year and a half, year and a half in, done, quit. I stood up with this guy on the altar, as he said I do, but they were living together before they got married. And I hadn't been married long, but we were sitting out on this porch before he said the I do's. And I said, dude, man, I don't know how to explain this. It's really difficult to put into words. But being with someone and being married to someone are two completely different things. And when you say, I do, and that ring goes on the finger, something happens. And I can't explain it. But don't give up on that. He didn't. She did. And I'm so thankful that actually God used that to break into his heart and prepare him for the person he's with now. Incredibly happy. Incredibly God-centered relationship. So you might be having one of those journeys. I want to share a few minutes to talk about our story.
I want to go down memory lane for, for me. I want to set the tone because you have to be real with you and your spouse, right? And so I want you to stroll with me for a minute. Lisa didn't know I was going to share some of these pictures, so yay. <laughs> She's doing children's ministry down there. Okay, gosh, yeah, you know what I look now, so I don't have any of the pictures of, of now. Now is irrelevant. But uh, this was back at, uh, oh gosh, this is going back in time. So Lisa and I met. Uh, we actually was uh, great friends with her twin brother. I have a twin sister. Lisa has a twin brother, all right, both fraternal, and I was good friends with her t- twin brother, Jeff, and uh, I often joke that I asked her to homecoming and she turned me down. Uh, that's just not true. We didn't talk really until in college, and there's this thing called MySpace. I know it's really going back there. There's a thing called MySpace, and you know, now you know, we started Facebook messaging, and we actually messaged so much when we were talking that uh, one of the sweet things I did back when... You know, if we we're guys, you do sweet things until you say, I do, and then all sweet things stop. You're like, I quit. I won. Battle over. <laughs> so uh, one of the things, guys, just don't stop doing that. But one of the sweet things was like, I, I took all of our emails and actually bound them into a book. Uh, I know. I tell you, bring the tissues. Um, about the authors, Josh and Lisa have been in a wonderful relationship for the past two months. Though they have known each other for years, they aspire and are looking forward to an amazingly happy and God-given life together. They currently reside in Melbourne and West Palm Beach, Florida. In their spare time, they enjoy photography, making plans, and then staying in instead, eating, stargazing, watching but not watching movies, naps, and quality time. So anyway, that's there. Uh, she's probably embarrassed. So let's go. To, you can just keep going through the pictures there, Eileen. So I want to share some of our story, all right? So we um, start, really officially started going out in December of 2006, and I, I just knew. I God laid it on my heart. I knew. She was the one. And on a Saturday, Sunday afternoon nap, yes, those are fantastic. Um, I, was, I was working at a church at the time. Sunday afternoon nap. I woke up. I'm like, you know what? I just got to marry this girl. So I went over at three months dating and asked her parents. Her parents said yes because they're like, we knew too. <laughs> so um, a few months later in, in, uh, in June, I proposed and then we were engaged for a year. We got married June 21st, 2008. So we've been married now eight years. And um, so I'm, I'm happy for that. Um, and part of our story is I was a jerk. Part of our story is I was a jerk. But the first two years of our marriage had every, we're going to talk about this, some of this in the promise, but I had two years of every problem you can possibly imagine. We had death in the family. We had loss of jobs, two of them. We had moving and relocation. We had me being a jerk as a big factor, right? But again, if you want change in your marriage, you have to be able to look in the mirror and say, I want to change. So eight years married now, and I could not be happier than my wonderful wife down the hall. So I want to read some scripture because, yes, this is God about marriage. And it might not be where you're thinking we're going to start off this series about marriage. But if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Verses 21 through 35. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. And I'm just going to read this. And uh, it's not going to be on the screen, but if you want to follow along um, and, just, uh, and just take a listen. So Peter comes up to Jesus and asks, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? 
like this crazy worldly number, like seven, like maybe if I count to seven and keep him on a tally system, like, no, no, nope, that's six, you got one more. And Jesus says, you know, I tell you not even seven times, but 77 times. So he takes the figure that Peter thinks and just blows it right out of the water. It's way, 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 more times than you think you should forgive somebody. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to settle... As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Pretty big sum, right? Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100, or sorry, 100 silver coins. So much, much, much less than 100 bags of gold, right? He grabbed him and began to choke him. I see like a Darth Vader type of moment happening. <sighs> Pay back what you owe me, right? He demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. The same thing that he had said to his master. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. Whew. You're like, we're starting out the marriage series here? <laughs> yeah. Here's why. Today's called the pieces, right? You cannot put the pieces of your marriage back together if you're holding on to them. Just like that video, if you're holding all of the pieces, you can't create something new. That's what forgiveness is. Some of you who are in a relationship and you've been married for a little while, you're in this tough spot of being able to go back and if you have a memory like my wife's does, you can remember, she can remember what you said on like October 17th, 2010 in that one room and she will make you pay if she doesn't forgive. Because we often say forgiving is not forgetting, right? Well, I'm going to forgive you, but I'm not going to forget what you did. We do a little finger wag, all right? I'm going to forgive you, but I'm not going to forget what you did. But when God forgives us, it's like he's wiped away. It's like he's erased forever what we did wrong. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 25 says, I, the Lord, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I remember your sins no more. It's like they never even happened. And if we're going to forgive, it also requires us to choose to forget. To choose to forget. You cannot put the pieces of your marriage back together if you're holding on to all of them. If you're not letting go of the hurt feelings from eight years ago. If you're not letting go of that thing that she said two weeks ago. If you're not letting go of that time when he just did that and he knew it was just to drive you up the wall. 
You can't put the pieces of your marriage together if you are holding on, not just forgiving, but also forgetting. Forgetting, just like God forgives us. Forgetting what was the past. Turn with me over to Ephesians. We're going to look at two more verses over here. Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That's one of the reasons why we're doing the Facebook thing. I want to encourage you to talk positively about your spouse, not tearing them down, but publicly lifting them up. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, of all rage and anger, of brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Here it is. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. He wiped it away. He said, yeah, I forgive you, but I'm also going to choose to forget. doesn't mean I'm forgetful because I'm an omnipotent God. It means that I'm choosing to forget your wrongs. Verse 2. Sorry, verse 1. Follow God's example then, as of that forgiveness and forgetness, and fall in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And if you're going to forgive and you're going to forget, it means you might have to die on a hill in your marriage. Does that make sense? You might have to hang on a cross. You might have to pull a Jesus to love someone else more than yourself. So, you know, I'm going to forgive you. And I'm going to forget all of those times when you did and you said all of those things. And if we're going to model that type of love, that type of kindness, that type of forgiveness in our marriages, we have to forgive and forget. So forgive, forget the word said in that last argument. Forgive and forget those broken promises. Forgive and forget what they did 15 days ago, 15 years ago, or even just 15 minutes ago. Maybe was walking in here this morning. It was like, oh, oh, yeah. oh we're going to talk when we're done with this because, oh. And you're just sitting here waiting, waiting for this service to go on and be done so that you can just go out there and let your spouse have it. And I'm going to keep preaching and preaching so you don't can't get to that point, right? Maybe that's just you. Oh! Forgive and forget the way God forgives and forgets our wrongs. So we're going to do an exercise. How many married people we got in the house today? Woo! All right, y'all with your spouse? Mine's not. She's serving down in the treehouse. If you are with your spouse, if you are with your spouse, I want you to turn and face your spouse, and I want you to hold hands. All right? Turn and face your spouse, and I want you to hold each other's hands. And if you're single, don't feel left out. I want you to look at these people who are choosing around you to model, to model this. All right? So, Married people, husbands, we're going to start with you because you are the man of the house, right? Guys, you ready for this? I want you to look them in the eye. Hold their hands, look them in the eye. Husbands, I want you to turn to your wives. I want you to repeat after me. I'm sorry. Ladies, be glad we're not done there. Guys, here we go. Because you're like, sorry for what? <laughs> oh, i got to list it. Right, guys, here we go. Guys, say, I'm sorry. 
I know I've hurt you. I haven't always been your knight in shining armor. I have let you down. I admit that I haven't always been the person you deserve. Please forgive me. Now, ladies, only say this part if you're serious. Because when you say forgive, it also means forget. Ladies, if you want to forgive him, that loving puppy dog face guy staring at you who looks much, much different than he did the day he said, I do. If you want to forgive that guy, say, I forgive you. Look him in the eye. Ladies, it's your turn. You're not done looking at your spouse. I know you might have to put up with it for a few more minutes, but bear with me. Bear with me. A great hair is looking more attractive. Just stare at it. Just stare at it. Here we go. Ladies, it's our turn. Repeat after me. I'm sorry. I know that I've hurt you. I haven't always been your best encourager or your number one fan. I admit that I haven't always been the person you deserve. Please forgive me. Now, guys, if you know what's good for you, please forgive the woman you're staring at. If you know, if you know what's good for you, please forgive this dear, sweet, angelic face you're staring at. If you mean it, forgiving and forgetting, say, I forgive you. Consider today, y'all, as if it's day one. Day number one. Let go of the broken pieces. Forgive and forget. And let God start rebuilding and remodeling your marriage. And if you do that, if you do those things, this series can change your life. Not because of what we're talking about, but what God can do through you and your relationship. So here's our challenge. For this week, we said we're going to have a challenge. Lots of ways to play along on Facebook, building a mosaic kit, texting marriage to 321-250-1410. We want to gift you that song. Lots of ways you can play along, submitting emails and pictures and surveys. But you got a challenge this week. So your challenge this week, should you choose to accept it. I might start using this microphone. This is should you choose to accept it. Challenge, your spouse will mess up this week. Say, I know, right? Your spouse will mess up this week. It's going to be hurt feelings. It's going to be disagreement just because we've had one, ser- one sermon on a, <laughs> it's all fixed, yay! No, it's not that. Just because it's been that case, your spouse is going to mess up this week. However, when that happens, not if it happens, when that happens, sit your spouse down and talk to them. And before you offer criticism, Offer forgiveness. Let me play that out for you. Let's say I'm a guy, and for the hundredth time, let's say I'm a guy. Am I a guy? Yes. All right, let's say I'm a guy, and we'll go with that. And, uh, and for the one millionth time, my clothes have not been able to find its way from the floor here to the hamper here. It's a huge distance. It's a huge distance, I know. And so maybe it's been the millionth time of this happening, and it's just, man, if you do the laundry in their house, oh, oh, right? And so you're going to go to the person, you're like, I told you. Pause. Stop. Stare into those puppy dog eyes. 
Remember what you said. Say, you know what? I'm going to forgive you for that before you criticize. Does that make sense? So that's our challenge this week. Because you can't put the pieces of your marriage back together if you are holding on to them. Forgive and forget. Do things God's way. Next week, we're going to be talking about the problems, biblical principles to help you overcome issues that every single marriage has. You're going to want to be here. You're going to want to bring a friend. All right, we're going to be having more giveaways. So build your mosaic kits together, post pictures, tag True Life Church. You got to do that. Ben, I'm going to invite you guys up as I'm going to pray for us um, before we, we close in worship. Does that sound okay? All right.